0: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com.
1: Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, there's a lot of people in this country. With traumatic brain injuries. Even though it's a silent epidemic, it's a very real silent epidemic. Hey, it's Dr. Phil. Welcome to Fill in the Blanks. I'm going to spend today alerting you to a serious problem in our country and an equally serious solution, actually. I like to talk about problems and solutions. Every year, a half a million Americans file for bankruptcy due to medical bills. In fact, if you look at why young people, really all people, get in trouble on credit cards and things of that nature, it's not because they're just reckless spenders. It's because some unexpected medical crisis arises. When 500,000 Americans file for bankruptcy every year due to medical bills, It's because we just don't understand the scope of how steep that pile of bills can get. Every minute of every day, somebody in America is in an auto accident, and many of those involve spine and brain injuries. Now, when that happens, you move into a whole different category of expense. You break an arm or a leg I'm not saying that's nothing, but the expenses are usually pretty finite and manageable. But when you get into a brain or spinal cord injury, you can be looking at a life plan. It can go on for 30 years, 40 years, and be millions and millions of dollars. Then the problem is the most affordable insurance policies, including Medicare and Medicaid, don't cover the overwhelming expenses that accompany traumatic brain and spinal injuries. It leaves a lot of people just ruined, not only quality of life-wise, but financially. So my guest today is a kindred spirit. He is a president of the Neurotrauma Association, and he has an answer that I want all of you to get behind so we can deal with this national issue successfully. Now, those of you that follow me know that when I was in practice, I put a lot of emphasis on brain and central nervous system functioning and trauma. So this has been a passion of mine. And so I want to welcome to the show, John Prosser II. Hello. John, how are you? It's great to be alive, Dr. Phil. How are you? Good. I was so glad to hear that this is work that you're doing. This is a big deal for people. I was talking about how much this can wreck people financially as well as their quality of life. Yes. Because people just can't possibly estimate the financial burdens this could bring on. And I know there are so many people out there that are suffering and enduring this. So I just wanted to talk about it. So tell me how you got involved in all of this. Well, for the past
2: 30 years, doctor, I have uh, been an owner of a company called Health Partners Home Care, where we specialize in taking care of people that have suffered traumatic brain injuries, traumatic spinal cord injuries from automobile accidents. And the reason I did that was because the insurance companies asked me to create that kind of a model uh, because it didn't exist. And um, so we were the first company in America, the first company in Michigan to manifest uh, a model that takes care of you in your house, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, Along the way of that process, I became inspired when I read a couple of articles. One was in the Wall Street Journal that said, the states that innovate will be the winners in reducing their Medicaid overhead. Uh, And that's where most of the people in America go. Uh, after you suffer your bankruptcy from your medical bills, you go into a Medicaid facility, and I skipped over an important thing, the family loses their home. And now you're in a facility and you're not getting 24 hour care. And the fact is you're gonna deteriorate rather rapidly. Most people that need constant attention and don't get it, uh, they die from sepsis, Uh, they develop uh, decubitus ulcers. So I had this inspiration that if the number one reason for bankruptcy is medical bills, and we're all being crushed by Medicaid, what if every other state adopted the Michigan model for lifetime care? And let me give you a little background on that. In the 1970s, the the Milken administration of the government of Michigan did a study. They commissioned Rand Corporation, and Rand said, look, this population of brain and spinal cord injured people are underserved and undercompensated. We make the cars that they get injured in, we can do better. So they created this model auto no-fault system, which means it doesn't matter who's at fault. If you're injured, you're going to get lifetime care. Uh, And then they created what's called a reinsurance component. Uh, Insurance companies have long used it themselves for 100 years. And that's where a piece of the policy goes into what's called the catastrophic fund. Now, the Michigan Catastrophic Fund has over $25 billion in it today funded by the drivers for the drivers. And what that does is it prevents the medical bankruptcy. It saves billions in Medicaid costs. It actually created hundreds of thousands of quality healthcare jobs, and people get lifetime care. Now, let me skip over to something that you shared with me. You're very familiar your your background in testifying uh, for auto accident victims in court cases. Uh, as a psychologist who's aware of the significance of brain injury, Here's the difference between Medicaid, Medicare, or or health insurance. Those all have caps on therapies. But in Michigan, if your uh, psychologist said you need five cognitive therapies a a week, that's how many you get. On top of which you get occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, every kind of therapy you can imagine. And there's no preset limit based on what the doctor orders. And again, this is a system
1: funded by drivers for drivers. I want to really talk about this in terms of the impact on people and families, and I don't want them to think that we're just doing an insurance commercial here because we're not. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about impact on people's lives. Why do you think this hasn't become a national program? Because look, we know that these injuries, sadly, Continue to happen. We know they are a reality. We do everything we can. There are advances in technology. There are things that can continue to be done to minimize and hopefully continue to get a downward trend for these happening. But right now, they are a reality in the United States. I can tell you when I was in practice, and a big part of my practice was working with the neurosurgeons and neurologists that were involved in the aftercare. And I watched exactly what you're talking about. When something like this happens, people that are self-sustaining, they're taking care of families, taking care of themselves. In the blink of an eye, everything changes. Activities of daily living. They're unable to care for themselves, let alone others. And it requires such a multi level support system. But yet we have so many states that just don't react to this. They just don't deal with it like they do in Michigan. Why do you think that is? Um, I believe, doctor, it's because uh, they don't know about it. And it may sound like a glib answer, but
2: I've done a great deal of work with New York, Florida. Uh, Texas and California that have the highest Medicaid costs and every time I talk to the health department or the person in charge of Medicaid or the finance, they're like, how, how is it you're telling me about the elephant in the room that I never saw? So they, they simply don't know that this model exists in Michigan. And I made a lot of progress in Florida and then they had things like COVID come along and now you've got a new administration. So that's the mission of the Neurotrauma Association is to raise the consciousness for everyone, especially the 250 million drivers that don't realize the greatest risk they have every day is to get into their car. Uh, it's the number one reason for bankruptcy medical bills. And when you suffer a brain or a spinal cord injury, it's oftentimes you're gonna spend over a million dollars in the acute hospital. That doesn't even count your subacute rehab and your acute rehab and, and certainly doesn't care for the lifetime care in your home. Um, So I I really believe it's about knowledge. Um, I really believe this is going to break wide open. I did a presentation in Los Angeles uh, several years back, about, I think it was 2019. There was 3,000 people in the audience. They're members of the International Association of Rehabilitation Professionals. And people actually said, oh, if you're telling the truth, how come we never heard about it? Um, And and so my son and I decided, you know what, we have to write this book. We have to tell the whole story in the book, um, explain the history of it explain how people can get involved. And people can make a big difference, doctor, if they simply go to the NeurotraumaAssociation.com website and sign our petition. We're trying to get millions of drivers all over the country to look at this through the lens of, oh, my God, what if this happens to me? What if it happens to my loved one? You're going to need these aggressive persistent therapies that you don't have. Now, some people will argue price. Ours is a little bit more expensive uh, on a cost basis for this particular kind of policy. But I asked this important question. What is the value of your policy at any cost if it doesn't give you what you need when this happens to you? So I, I really, back to my original answer, it's it's just a lack of knowledge. Um, the health department in Florida said, John, we're spending $30 billion a year on Medicaid, and we believe 40% of that, $12 billion, are people that went bankrupt after a car accident. And so when I met, I met the budget director, and he said, what? You're saving billions of dollars by adopting this model, and it's it's relatively the same cost. I mean, it may be a, the difference of a couple hundred dollars, um, but in the scheme of things, you can't, you can't make a better investment uh, in your life and your safety, your security financially, and
1: certainly physically and psychologically if you do suffer the injury. Okay, but let's assume that's true. Let's assume that maybe they don't know about a model that's been worked out. They don't know about a model that's being funded by the drivers, but they certainly as hell know that you can get these life-altering injuries, these brain and spinal cord injuries that are in a category all their own. They're completely different than if you break an arm or a leg or a collarbone, you get whiplash or whatever. This is something that, as you say, the acute hospitalization can cost you a million dollars. And then when you're through with that, you might be looking at 30 years of multi-level need in terms of rehabilitation in terms of being taken care of. they certainly know that's true. they may not have a model for addressing, but they know that's true. Why are they letting people fall into bankruptcy, fall into subpar care, and just languish without addressing the issue without addressing the problem? I, I believe, doctor, just from my experience in talking to
2: legislators number one the, the state laws regarding auto insurance are, are unique to each state in other words, there's no universality in America there's just whatever um, that particular state has adopted for whatever the reason is. not only is this an education effort uh, but then you have turnover of politicians. so I've been to many different states who and found politicians say, wow this is a brilliant idea I want to be the leader on this I want to get at the podium and say, Yes, we should uh, adopt this model, uh, but then um, they don't get it done that session. And then there's turnover in the staff. So it's it's really about um, a lack of knowledge, in my opinion. And I know that just sounds very strange to people, um, but it's what they told me in every single state that I've talked to people. Uh, And I've done a lot of shows uh, all over the country in different states, radio and and podcasts and television. uh, And everybody says the same thing as you. How can this be? So, we all see the same thing. And, um, you know, the fact that um, you're open minded because of your own background and experience and willing to uh, do this podcast on this topic is huge. I mean, there's a ton of people that follow you, believe in you, and they're going to look at this and drill down. And when they go to the website, they're going to see all kinds of uh, collateral support material for why it's a great idea. And they can help us by telling their politicians.
1: Well, there's almost 2 million traumatic brain injuries every year. It can be an isolated injury. It can happen as part of a massive insult to the body where there are other injuries. But I think the leading cause are car accidents. That makes up 17.3% of them, right? Yeah, it's an enormous number. I mean, every day,
2: um, you know, the, the Center for Disease Control has a lot of data globally, but the, the Safety and Highway Administration does it related to car accidents? So there's over 800 people a day that are having a brain injury in a car accident. And if that's not a stunning fact, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the number two cause, but number one is falls where people fall and hit their head, yes. whether yes. it's on ice or stairs or whatever, but we're talking like 2 million a year and you start adding that up then that's 2 million one year. And then it's four, then six. There's a lot of people in this country with traumatic brain injuries. Absolutely. And, uh,
2: You know, the the model could be used for health insurance, Doc. I mean, if if everybody's already paying for health insurance, we could take a piece of the premium and put it into a catastrophic fund for the slip and falls. Uh, As you pointed out, that's a a huge number of people. So we're we're going at it multidimensionally, not just for automobiles, but for health insurance. And these are
1: regulations and rules that have to be decided by the legislatures in each state. Yeah. If everybody. Recognizes that this can happen to each and every one of us. You or I can get up and walk away right now and slip and fall on the stairs, hit our head. And it's a game changer. Nobody is immune from this. If everybody acknowledges and says, All right, I'm going to take some responsibility for this, I'm willing to add a little bit to my premium here or there. Every manufacturer, they are willing to contribute in some way to take care of these people, because it's so sad to see productive citizens that are working hard, doing a good job, they're out there, then this happens, and then they just kind of get lost in the shuffle. People don't understand, when I talk about a life plan, and I was involved in this so much in practice, when you have to go in and calculate a life plan, you say, okay, you're going to need a nurse." And there's going to have to be some level of nursing care for you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for the next projected 40 years. That's your life expectancy. Add that up. Then you've got to start putting in occupational therapists and all these different things. That meter starts running at a whine you can hear a long way away. You can uh,
2: expect if you're in a catastrophically injured accident to. To spend five hundred thousand dollars, forty thousand a month on your care for the in-home nursing care. That doesn't count the therapies. That doesn't count your power wheelchair or your or your uh, adaptive van or your adaptive home. Uh, In over a lifetime, you could easily eclipse uh, twenty million dollars, especially if you're young.
1: Right, because you're just looking at how many years of life are left, and you say right now over forty years of existence that. The catastrophic claims fund now has over twenty billion dollars in it. Over twenty-five billion. Yeah, I think it's closer to twenty-six. I didn't
2: take the minute to look it up presently, but I know it's over twenty-five.
1: Yeah, and how is that
2: dispersed? Well, that's a great question. Well, um, it's a reinsurance model. So what that means is the insurance company have an obligation for the first six hundred thousand dollars in Michigan, and then every dollar that is spent on your care after that by the insurance company is reimbursed to them for having paid for the
1: care that exceeds the 600000 Some people might not understand that insurance companies take out insurance. Reinsurance is a big deal. I used to do a lot of litigation that involved airline crashes, for example. And we would look at the coverage tower, and it was a tower. I would have sometimes a coverage tower that would cover several 8.5 by 11 pages stuck together. Aetna might be involved in covering XYZ Airline from a $5 million deductible up to $75 million. Then maybe Zurich would be in for the next $25 million. Then Lloyd's of London might be in for the next $40 million. Right. Then Aetna might get back in. Then you'd have another insurance company. You just had this coverage tower where they lay it off like a bookie lays off. If they're getting too much one side or another, they have to go lay it off to somebody else so they don't go bankrupt. That's it. So they'll cover it up to a certain amount and then they lay it off to somebody else, which makes sense. It's just good business. So they spread the risk across time. But you've got to spread the risk among everybody involved this isn't a government thing this is a matter of everybody taking care of each other and being willing to say look we're all out there driving we're all out there doing this stuff we need to be willing to take into account that there's risk involved for everybody that's it the greatest risk in your life every day is getting in your automobile and driving somewhere anything that you're moving fast enough that a sudden stop is going to rattle your brain To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television.
1: When we're talking about traumatic brain injury, by the way, we're talking about a disruption in normal function of the brain caused by a bump, blow, jolt to the head, or a penetrating head injury. This can be associated with a big concussion of sound. It can be your head hitting something that creates real trauma to the brain. It can be an accumulation of small impacts to the brain. That's why they're saying they don't want young kids that play soccer doing headers where they keep hitting the ball with their head because it can accumulate across time. Let me tell you, when the brain is disrupted, when the neurotransmitters of the brain are disrupted, then everything is affected, which is why it's so expensive to figure this out. Yeah, your brain is your CPU, and
2: uh, when a lot of people don't realize, it's it's sort of like jello. And so when those neurotransmitters, when your brain gets impacted, let's say you're hitting a car from behind, you you have what's called the coup, your, your brain goes forward and slams into the windshield or the steering wheel, but then it has a contra coup, it comes back, and then the brain starts to swell. Well, guess what? It has nowhere to swell. It has nowhere to go, so it actually crushes those patterns of thinking that you had Uh, created in your brain throughout your life. And you can literally suffer from things like aphasia where you know what people are saying, but you can't communicate that you understand. Uh, And so even though it's a silent epidemic, it's a very real silent epidemic. Uh, It's it's a tragedy. And the fact of the matter is, in Michigan, many people have improved over great periods of time because they get the aggressive persistent therapies that they need. Um, It's it's, absolutely essential that you get this kind of care or you're simply going to expire prematurely.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people suffer certainly from mild traumatic brain injury or concussion that don't realize that's what they're dealing with. There are three main types of traumatic brain injury. There's mild, you might experience that when you think, "Boy, I really took a blow to the head and I I was kind of buzzed." There's moderate TBI, there's severe TBI but there were over 64,000 TBI-related deaths in the United States in 2020. And that's about 176 a day that die from brain-related injuries. And that doesn't take into account all of those that don't die, but are affected by it. Some of us are affected by it and don't require extreme care, but we notice that our functioning is off, that we're not doing as well. Maybe it hurts your sleep, your ability to function. Maybe you have headaches, and people need to know about this and get evaluated, find out what's going on.
2: Absolutely, and ideally, you'll go to a a specialist, uh, like a a physiatrist, which are known as physical medicine and rehabilitation specialists. Um, They understand all the indications of the overlays related to brain injury and spinal cord injury and orthopedic injuries. You know, those all um, impact your uh, ability to function.
1: Yeah, the research tells us that there are groups that are more likely to have TBI than others, racial and ethnic minorities, service members and veterans because they've been oftentimes deployed into war zones. And as I say, sometimes it can just be sound percussion that is so strong that it can impact your brain. People that experience homelessness have a higher incidence of TBI than the general population. Those who are in correctional and detention facilities, survivors of intimate partner violence, and people living in rural areas, most commonly from a fall, firearm-related injuries, and motor vehicle crashes. Or if you've been assaulted, somebody just punches you in the head, hits you in the head with something, If you're in one of those groups and you're having symptoms, but it's not impairing you so much that you're in the hospital or in ICU or whatever, don't write it off. It may be something, as John says, if you get aggressive care, you can regain some of this function. Exactly. You know, the um, state of Michigan,
2: there was the Department of Defense to do rehabilitation or decided that they were going to get aggressive about rehabilitation and they gave away 15 contracts around the country. Uh, Michigan got five of those contracts. Um, One of our facilities um, was able to pair brain injured NFL football players with brain injured special forces, and they would compete for rehabilitation. Who could actually go through all of the uncomfortability of what you have to do to get better? Well, their brains are already wired for that, so it was a brilliant observation. And our facilities have been able to help
1: um, thousands of veterans. That is so great. We talk about PTSD with veterans, and there's PTSD, and then there's PTSD with TBI. Those are two very distinct syndromes. Yes. They're very different, and they need to be treated differently. Absolutely. And unfortunately, um, not
2: many other states. I mean, you have the fabulous Craig Hospital in Colorado and Shepherd's. Uh, down in Atlanta, and uh, I'm sure I'm, there's a couple others in the handful, but um, th- there's not a lot of resources because there's no payer source. As I mentioned earlier on, it, Medicaid caps therapies at uh, 30 per year combined. Medicare does 30 per year combined. Health insurance does 30 per year combined. Many patients uh, in our care uh, for health partners home care over the 30 years would get as many as four hundred, 500 therapies a year. And as important, we have the resources, we have the companies that have the specialized personnel to do those therapies. Other states don't have them because there is no payer source.
1: Yeah, that's sad. And one of the things that I noticed in the years that I practiced with this is how TBI was missed in children. It affects children differently than adults because Children's brains are not finished forming yet. Right. You guys have probably heard me say many times that your brain is not finished growing until you're 25 years of age. And there's a lot of studies out there right now to say that it's probably more accurately close to 35, but certainly 25. If you've got a child that's out playing and they're running and on the jungle gym and they fall and hit their head... If they have a traumatic brain injury, it can really disrupt their development. It can limit their ability to participate in school activities and other activities. They can experience changes in other areas of their health, their ability to be cognitively efficient. It can change how much they kind of track what's going on in their world and how they are socially. It can also be missed in older adults as well, because you might think, well, they're just getting older, and so they're slowing down. They've dropped a step here. They're not as alert as they used to be. And so you just kind of write it off to they're getting older, or maybe it's early signs of dementia, when in fact, they may have hit their head and don't tell you about it. That's that's true. And it could have been in a the car. They could slam on their brakes and hit their head against the window or the post in the car or something. And if you suspect this, it's worth getting it checked out.
2: You're absolutely correct, doctor. And I know you know this, but for your listeners, there's new technology now called the single positron emission computerized tomography. And this is a device that can map your brain. It's really phenomenal stuff. So it allows us to look inside the skull at the brain and see uh, abnormalities uh you know, compared to the baseline studies of people that have, are known to have no injuries. Um, and historically, there was the you know MRI and the CAT scan, and those are both uh, strong performance uh, technologies. But this new one, the SPECT, S-P-E-C-T, right. is really top of the food chain. But if you don't have it in your state because there's no payer source, um, you're unlikely to be able to get that scan.
1: Well, I work an awful lot with Dr. Daniel Amon with the Amon Clinics and he has a huge database of SPECT scans. If you can get to an Amon clinic, you can find out an awful lot about your brain and if you have a TBI and if so where and how it's performing. So when you talk about imaging and you do something called SPECT, single photon emission computed tomography, Talk about what that is and what you look at, because you look at three things in particular. So describe what's a patient experience when they go through this imaging, and it's a nuclear medicine study, but talk about what a patient goes through when they do this. So SPECT looks at blood flow and activity. It's, it's a really simple procedure.
0: The hardest part of the procedure is getting a tiny needle into a vein in their arm. We usually do it twice, once at rest once when they do a concentration task. And so once we just have them sitting in a room resting, and then the second time we'll have them do a Connors continuous performance test. So we're getting their brain when they're trying to use it. And then after um, they're in the injection room, they'll lay on a camera table and takes about 20 minutes. We'll take a picture of where the medicine has gone in their brain. And it gives us an image of living brain tissue. Um, So we also do quantitative EEG, where we look at the electrical activity in the brain. Uh, But I like SPECT because it gives us this beautiful 3D image of every area of their brain. And is it healthy? Is it underactive? Or is it overactive? And you'd mentioned PTSD and TBI, I published a study on 21,000 people showing we could separate those two disorders with very high levels of accuracy. Now, why is that important? Because the treatments are actually opposite of each other. With TBI or traumatic brain injury, we see hurt areas that are low in activity. And with PTSD, we see their emotional brain works too hard. So one, you want to calm the brain, the other, you want to stimulate the brain. And how do you really know
1: Um, unless you look ahead of time? Yeah. And so they're throwing medication at these people without knowing whether their brain needs to be calmed in an area or stimulated in an area. And so if it needs to be calmed, and they give them a brain stimulant, it's like throwing gas on a fire, and they send them back out there, and they're frenetic. They can't understand why they have a bad outcome. And how long does this take for a patient when they come in? How long does it take to get the workup? Well, when we work up a patient, um, we do a lot.
0: We take really long histories to understand the story of your life. The scans themselves, start to finish, is about an hour. Uh, so it's pretty simple. Um, and then we do neuropsych assessments as well. Um, so we never make a diagnosis just on a scan, but we don't want to make a diagnosis without it. Cause it's like, we're going to miss a whole important piece of information.
1: I just had a total knee replacement Oh my! on the left. And when you go through something like that, they put you on Anticoagulants and antiplatelets, medications, things like that. And you bump your head pretty good during a regimen of those medications. It's awful easy to get a brain bleed if something happens. So there's just a lot of things that affect all of this that we have to pay attention to. Amen.
2: We're trying to raise the consciousness. I mean, uh, I think it's important in this whole conversation is. Uh, raising the awareness of people. There are things you can do. I mean, drive more cautiously. Uh, A lot of people don't understand physics. When somebody's tailgating on you at 70 miles an hour, it'd be good to shift into the other lane and slow down. Uh, You want to keep a car length in front of you for every 10 miles an hour you're moving. So if you're moving 50 miles an hour, you want to be five car lengths behind. Everybody seems to be really anxious, but you're literally taking your life and other lives at risk because you don't slow down. Um, And then there's things like insisting that your children wear um, helmets if you're going to skate or ride a bike. Um, The JCS did a wonderful effort back in the 90s to uh, raise the consciousness. We worked with McDonald's and Domino's to get parents to realize these probabilities exist for brain injury. And you're doing a great service to your children if you insist that they wear a helmet for any kind of a movement activity.
1: Roller skates, skateboards, bikes, all of it. John, let me ask you this. What can people do and what should they ask for in their states to get the kind of model that Michigan has? There are reasons they should do it. It provides comprehensive care for injury victims, and it protects them from bankruptcy. Clearly, those are huge.
2: Well, I, I think they can go to the website, Doc, and they can, um, they can learn themselves. That we have all kinds of videos. We have videos that are two hours long that are very technical. We have a short 10- or 15-minute animation video Um, But the thing they can do is identify who is the senator that's in your state that's on the insurance committee, who's the representatives. So contact them and send them the link to the neurotraumaassociation.com and tell them you signed the petition and you believe it'd be in the best interest of all the citizens of this state if the legislature looks into this proven and successful model that's been used in Michigan only for 50 years. And then they can certainly refer to those people to contact me. My contact information is at the website. And I, and I've done this. I've incrementally had calls. And they can also contact their local media. Um, if you know that there's a certain person that talks on health on uh, television uh, for your local uh, CBS, ABC, NBC uh, facility uh, affiliate, then you could ask them to interview me. Um, you could do that with your favorite radio station. You know. Um, I've probably been on Mitch Album's radio show two or three hundred times in the last 10 years, um, talking about this very topic. Uh, And then what we can do is we take those interviews and we share them uh, with other media. I actually talked to about 75 producers in the fall of 20. uh, And they all said, wow, this is a fabulous idea. Uh, But right now we're stuck on the COVID stories. Check back with us in a year. Uh, And even in 21, we were still on COVID. So little
1: things like that can make a big difference. Well, let me say to my viewers here in wrapping up this conversation, I'm talking to John Prosser II, and he's president of Neurotrauma Association. The website he's referring to, and I've been there most recently today, it's NeurotraumaAssociation.com. When you go to the site, it's a very rich site. One of the things that I've always noticed, and I'm glad they do when they do, but you always notice when somebody is impacted by a disease, maybe it's MS or dementia or cancer or Crohn's disease, whatever it might be, whenever they're impacted by it, by someone in their family, someone they know, then... All of a sudden, it kind of brings it home. And so they start really working to raise funds and raise awareness on it. What I'm asking here is don't wait until you suffer a traumatic brain injury. Don't wait until you're one of the 1.7 million people in America. That is impacted by this through a fall or a car accident or some head trauma, and become part of the half million people a year that go bankrupt because you don't have the wherewithal to sustain the life impact that these bills stack up and have on you. Don't wait until. You're impacted by it. Do something now. There are millions of people in America right now that are drowning under the financial burden of this, that don't have the ability to get quality care. And as John says, he'll go and make great headway with a politician, a congressman, a senator, their staffers and then everything changes before they can actually get it onto the floor, get it voted on, get it implemented. It's like he's fighting a war of attrition. He goes, makes his case, people understand it, but then before they can get anything enacted, they're gone. He's got to start all over again. He's got to feel like he's in the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah, no, I do. because uh, But
2: it's like my mission. It's my I, You said if you know somebody, don't no, wait. I've known thousands of people. For 30 years, I've gone to the hospitals and met with the people and met with the families. And it's it's a terrible tragedy Um, and it doesn't get better. It can get to a quality of life that you can't believe because if you have the proper resources, you can have that. But if your viewers just went to the website and signed the petition, uh, that allows us, we hopefully get millions of uh, Americans. Uh, There's 250 million Americans that have registered cars. So if we get half of them, Uh, to say, wow, I want this in my state. That's a big statement. And that that all comes from people just going to a website and clicking a petition.
1: It is a big statement. And if you don't think you can be in the backyard, having a barbecue one minute, running to the store to pick something up the next, and your entire world change in the blink of an eye, it can. So be proactive. Do something about this at this point. The place to start, is go to Neurotraumaassociation.com, sign the petition, and take a minute. Also, audit your family, young and old alike, and see if somebody's suffering with TBI and it is undiagnosed, it won't get better on its own necessarily. If you do some of the things that can be done to help, it can make a huge, huge difference. Now, Sometimes you shake this off and the brain is very resilient and it'll snap back from it. But sometimes you need intervention and quicker the better. So kind of look around and ask yourself if maybe grandma's having more trouble than she was because she took a fall and didn't tell you. Be aware. Think about this stuff. It's not always catastrophic at one time, it can happen across time. So think about it. And John, I love your passion about this. I really do. We're going to cover up our website with links and information about this so people can find it, get to it. The Michigan model that you guys have with $26 billion in the fund at this point, God bless everybody for getting busy on that.
2: Well, amen, doctor. And I'd just like to give a shout out to my son, John, who co-authored the our book, Um He's really uh, the primary force behind that. I'm a good storyteller, and I knew what I wanted to say, but John really crafted that uh, publication. And people, if, for for what it's worth, he, insurance is risk management. So how well are you covered for the risk? That's really the question you have to put to yourself. And um, you know, go to the website, check it out, reach out if you got questions. I'm so grateful to you, Dr. Phil. Uh, thank you for this opportunity.
1: Well, you just said a good thing to close on it's terrible if you think you've got coverage, you think you're protected, and then something happens and you go, oh my God, I thought I was protected. Now I find out that I didn't have near the coverage that I thought I did. And all of this information is on the website. So go there and find out. And John, thank you for your work. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your information. And I hope everybody listens to what we're talking about. I do as well. Thank
2: you so much, doctor. You're a great guy.
1: John, thanks so much. Tell Mitch hello for me. You got it. All right. Thanks, man.